With the looming pandemic and the added unrest in many of our cities, the awareness that you are part of a bigger story helps you put your life into proper perspective. I'm Barry Kibrick. My conversation with Lori Pollitt Short about her book, When Changing Nothing Changes Everything, explores how the power of reframing your life lets you see things with new eyes, even in the most troubling of times. Lori, it's a pleasure to have you on Between the Lines. Thank you for joining me. Well, it is a thrill to be here, Barry. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it is my pleasure. And what made me do it was the first chapter, The Things You May Not See. As I told you in the green room and in the makeup room, I said, I read that chapter and I said, I must have this woman on the book. And I want to promise my viewers, viewers, we're not going to read that first chapter. It's just too, it's too long for television, although it's very short. It really is, but it's yeah. too long to do the read. But I'm going to actually share those words with them before this airs so that they'll know just how meaty this mm -hmm. is. So what, I, what it really is about, though, is that, as you say, where we choose to focus our, our thoughts and our views really makes the difference of what we see. Yes, absolutely. I think that's where I got the title of my book, When Changing Nothing Changes Everything, because of the power of your eyes. But it's also not a book, as you say, of looking through rose-colored glasses. So this is not one of those things where you try to tell people to only see the bright side or the sunny side of life. But you do say that every issue has a lens which it could be looked through. Yes. I, I am very clear to say that this isn't a book about just, you know, see the cup half full or be an optimist. It's about really seeing what is there that we don't always see because we're not looking through the lenses that I suggest in the book. And, and you say that that causes us to have sort of uncharted, uh, an uncharted life because if we're only looking through that lens mm -hmm. and not the other forms of lenses that you could easily just put on in the same situation, we're, we're losing out on our own greatest experiences. That's so true. I mean, it's the same with glasses or with vision. If, if anybody has had that experience of having different lenses that cause you suddenly to see in a different way, but I suggest that they can be internal so that when you consciously say, I'm, I've got to see this situation with the big view, you can change your perspective, and that changes the way you see things. You're also careful to let us know, and I, and I love this, that just because we're talking about this, that doesn't mean that every viewer is going to be able to do it. It takes yeah. a certain amount of skill. It takes a certain amount of practice. Mm -hmm. But as I was telling Carla, the, the general manager of the station here, what, what I thought was that the way you wrote it made it seem the easiest way to really reframe the way you look at life. Well, it's, it can be instantaneous, but it does take practice. If you know what lens you need, you can access it immediately. But sometimes we're so lost in the situation or the circumstances that are around us, we lose our perspective and then it's harder to find our way. 
But I think the way that you see things can actually change the way you respond to things, which actually can make a difference in what happens in the future. You also give these words that I just never heard phrased this way, to rest in what is. And I've been literally practicing that, mm. just resting in what is. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And I have trouble dealing with all these kinds of things, but that was a simple one. Rest in what is. Describe that a little bit so the viewer knows exactly what you're talking about. Yes, well, I think so much of our life is lived thinking about the past or the future, something that just happened or something that is about to happen that we miss so much of what's happening in the now. And so I suggest that in one of my lenses, the present view lens, to just be in the now because there's so much happening around us that we have a tendency to miss when we're not there. I wanna give a perfect example from your book. The difficulty you may want to escape could be part of your journey in getting there. Again, I began to notice that. I couldn't believe it because, I mean, how many years have I been trying to do what I've been doing, you know? And yet, that's an absolute truism when you yes. think about it. It is, because we often think that we're at the end of our story or something that happens to us, that's it. That, that is the story. But really, you might be in the middle of the story. And I think that is what changes your perspective because suddenly, if you're in the middle of the story, this difficulty that's happening to you might be part of what's getting you where you're going. It's just a different route. Well, you say, in fact, it's not an indicator of what's ahead. It's just an actuality of what was. So many people think that because it's been this way for no matter how many years, that means it has to be that way for the next so many years. It doesn't. It could change at an instant, like you said, or it may take time, but it is not an indicator. That's, That's right. so important. Well, I think we have a historical example of that in Nelson Mandela. Because you think about the amount of years that he spent in prison, literally thinking, I'm sure, that this was going to be his life. And yet we know that that was just a preparation for what was ahead. And all of the things that he learned during that time made him the person that he was when he got there. So just thinking about that actual example, I think, helps us when we're in the midst of something we think is never going to change. And you say when you, when you keep that mindset, that's when that door may open. And if you're not prepared to walk through because all you're doing is dealing with your baggage, right. how will you know? So you must, again, by the way, it's kind of funny. You have to keep shifting your lenses. Sometimes yeah. you need to put the lens of in the rear That's so right. you see where you've been. Sometimes you need to see where you want to go. Many times you need to be in the now. And you even call it the, the, a bigger view when you, when you need to maybe feel even the transcendence of what is around you to really feel a part of it all. Yes. Well, I think we're always part of a bigger story. At every given circumstance, we're part of a bigger story because there are other people in our lives. And so often, if we're just focused on our little story, we miss out on the part we might be playing in somebody else's story. And so sometimes pulling back and seeing that bigger view helps you live that circumstance well, even if it's not serving you. 
Well, this I want to, though, be very careful about, and, and, and you'll see why. Here's your words. The goal of looking back is to embrace the healthy patterns we have received. Mm. The biggest problem, though, that I find and that I know most individuals find is when you look back, the immediate thing you look back on is all the negative stuff. Yeah. So how you have to train yourself to when you're looking back, mm -hmm to do so with a kindness and a gentleness mm -hmm. and not with blame. I have to say this often, but it's so important because you can't help it. I look back and I realize, oh, I'm a jerk. I should have done this. I should have done that. Now I know better and I'm still doing this and, I'm st and it goes into this cycle. That's the key though, is if can you look back and embrace what you've done, but again, not make it the indicator, use it to elevate you in the move forward. Yes, absolutely. And even if you look back and it is something negative, you use it to inform and educate you to move on and to find a different route if maybe something from the past that happened is setting you on a course that's unhealthy. Even if you've been looking back with this negative attitude, mm -hmm. look back with the new lens, realize it's not chiseled in stone, that's not, the book, the book is about to be written. That's right, that's right. So knowing that, then sometimes we remember things wrong because we're currently in a season of duress. And so we might blame our past or say, well, it's because this is what happened in the past. But in fact, we can think about it differently based on how we're remembering it. You give us this warning though, don't let the urgent I want to get it right, crowd out mm. the important. So many times we act with urgency because we think we need to, mm -hmm. and we forget we need to act with intention mm -hmm. and purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think so much of our lives, Barry, is lived in the urgent. It's, we're slaves to our calendar, to people that need our attention, to the details of life, and we miss so many of the quiet moments that end up being the most important to us. You also tell us because of that same thing, slow it down, right? So if you slow it down, you get a chance to then realize, it's sort of, I, I used this example once, the greatest athletes, although they're moving fast, literally see things in slow motion because that's how they're able to hit the ball mm -hmm. much better. Mm -hmm. This is the one, though, that we're going to have an argument on. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Expectations and agendas don't die easily, and sometimes we cling to them until they are pried from our hands. And I have to tell you, Lori, my expectations are never getting pried from my hands. I have now tried everything, and even your book cannot get me once I, and I know if, if in the Buddhist way, your, your desires you're allowed to have, you're not supposed to have expectations. Your expectations are the, I know it. I've read it in every book. They're the root cause to unhappiness. Maybe that's why I'm sometimes unhappy. But if I want something to happen, gosh darn it, I expect it to happen and I keep going until it does. So you have to come up with something either to tell me not to do that or what, because that's, that's the way I am. 
Well, I have to tell you, Barry, I wrote it because I am that way too. I am not going to argue with you. I am a firstborn, make it happen, controller. And so when I'm writing those words, it's because I need those words. And I have just found that sometimes my agenda gets in the way of something beautiful that can possibly happen a different way if I let it. Well, you say at any moment, and see, this is why I think the agenda part works better. Because I can keep my expectation. This is how I've been doing it, at least. (laughs) I've been keeping my expectation, but I'm very willing to change the strategy and the agenda to get there. That's the key, I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And sometimes the very thing you want ends up happening, but it's a different route getting there than you thought it would be. At the same time, and you, you're the one that issues this warning, you can miss the doors before us that are trying to lead us forward. And I think, again, that goes back to those expectations and the agendas. If you don't see clearly those things that may be waiting for you right there because you're so knotted up, again, it goes to, I guess, so many of the other reasons why we need to use those lenses. Well, I think if you look at it in language as doors, sometimes you're so focused on a door you want to see open that you might miss a door that's opening in front of you. And that door could lead to another door that leads to another door that actually leads to the door you're focused on. But you may need to be open to what's happening around you and paying attention in the present, like we've been talking about, is what allows you to do that. I think the one thing that I have been able to grasp and utilize whenever I fall out of that is that vision gratitude, as you call it, that lens that allows you to see truly the beauty and not just the craziness that's wrapping around and spiraling in your head. Gratitude, again, it's, it's, it's one of those easy things to say. It's a little harder to really do, but it, it is something that with the right lens, you really can be grateful. You can see the gratefulness. I mean, not in every tragedy by any means, but in the most part, in almost everyday life mm-hmm. itself. Absolutely, gratitude is a vision that even you can look at tragedy and not be grateful for the tragedy, but be grateful for what happened to you in that tragedy, because everything is used, I think, in our lives to get us to where we're going. And, and that, to me, is also an inside job. It's not just what's happening around you, it's what's happening inside of you that is causing you to grow and become the person that you were meant to be. I want to use your words again. So again, I think it's important that we, again, don't think this is all rose-colored glasses and that everyone's going to leave the show able to do this. You say the truth is it can be a challenge to remember the good when we have been traumatized Mm -hmm. by dark seasons. Mm -hmm. And there probably isn't a soul alive that at one time or another hasn't been traumatized by a dark season. So again, it puts it in perspective. This is not snap your fingers and move out of it, but it is a challenge, especially 
when you've had maybe for years, mm -hmm. lots of setbacks, lots of disappointments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a, pro a process of almost um, making friends with those sufferings in our lives to try to explore some of the good that they bring to us. Some, and, and it's not good in the sense of joyful that you are looking back and happy about it, but you can be grateful for what those things have done in you to make you the person that you are. Because Barry, when you're going through a difficult time, you want to talk to somebody who's been there, who understands. And if you haven't been through any level of suffering, you are so much less empathetic to other people. It just opens you up relationally and in every way, I think. But again, the forgiveness of oneself. So when you're doing this, Lori, what is that little mantra that must be going through your head so you're not blaming yourself? Well, um, I think sometimes it's a result of our own actions that we've gone through difficult time, and sometimes it's the result of other people's actions. We've seen that so much recently, uh, even in our country. And that is when it's really difficult, I think, to get to that place where you move forward. What, what sense can you make of that? And of course, um, you know, some of that has to do with your worldview. And um, if you have a belief in a higher power and God, that you are part of a bigger story than even maybe your story that's happening here, that can also help a lot, I think. Well, I think I wanna let people know, in fact, that we, although we're not discussing it, this book does have, in fact, that's that last, the higher view, as we call, is this look into what for even the most secular or even atheist, mm -hmm. the transcendent view. Mm -hmm. You obviously have in the book a very Christian mm -hmm. view, which is beautiful because mm -hmm. you're able to relate to it and let that be your, your guiding light. For others, it's, it is sometimes harder yeah. to find that. I know that religious people can, can lean on that. And I don't want to, when I say lean on, I don't mean that's a crutch. I think no. it's a positive thing sure. if you have it, but you have to have it. Mm -hmm. Some people don't have it, yet they have to as well find the fact. And I know I've had two of the great atheists on my show. Mm -hmm. I've had Richard Dawkins and Sam Harris. And both of them, although do not believe in quote unquote a theology, mm -hmm. they do believe in a consciousness. Mm -hmm. They do believe in a certain in eternal mechanism. In fact, Richard Dawkins' famous book was The Selfish Gene. Do you know what he originally titled it? Hmm. The Immortal Gene. Wow. So he knew that there was a continuum mm -hmm. of some sort. And I think that's the thing that people could hold on to the continuum, yes. if anything. Yes, and I think we even see small illustrations of that in the stories that happen here on this earth. And we know that we're part of a bigger story. We may be living a scene, 
for instance, I talk a lot about the influence that you might be having on other people that you're not even aware you're having, that they might move from your relationship and make a total change in their life because of what happened in your relationship with them. And those are the stories that you might not even know that you're a part of. So this bigger story that, of course, I also see as, as beyond this earth, I think we see evidence of that even here in our stories here. Well, you know, you almost have to because it's too beautiful yeah. to that. And that, again, goes back to the gratitude. It goes back mm -hmm. to to all those things. But I do find that that's probably a difficult thing mm -hmm. for for people to to make that adjustment to. And I I want to share that, that it's it's not just them. All of us have that as a uh, as an issue, as a challenge. Absolutely. And I specifically wrote this book as more of a bridge book beyond even the Christian faith that I believe that there are things in this book that can touch anybody, no matter where you're coming from, because of this idea of seeing differently. And that's why I invited you, dear Lori, mm -hmm. on our show. And I'm going to end with these words. And you mentioned it before, and I think it's worth it. We can miss the doors before us that are trying to lead us forward. Thank you, Lori, for opening those doors for us. Thank you so much, Barry, uh, for having me. It's my pleasure. And I wanna thank you all for joining us. Now, before we go, I'd like to leave you with these few more words from when changing nothing changes everything. The awareness that you are a part of a bigger story helps put your life into proper perspective. Your role may feel small, but when you pull back the microscope, you realize you are always involved in something bigger than you can see. I'm Barry Kibrick. The proper perspective makes all the difference between how you see yourself and the important role you really do play here on Mother Earth. Thank you, Laurie. Thank you, Barry. My pleasure. In the beginning of this episode, I teased the first chapter of Laurie's book. A few weeks after I taped the show, I realized that it was so powerful, I wanted to share it even if I had to cut out something else. The chapter is titled, The Things You May Not See, and these are Laurie's words as written in her book. I remember the morning well. It was a few months after I had moved to Santa Barbara, California, and the pastor I was working for invited me to the church to give a sermon. People were still getting to know me, so I just started by sharing my life, a typical scene, mind you. Here's how I began. I got up this morning in my apartment, and I was all alone. I have no husband, so there are no kids. The owner recently put a for sale sign in the front yard, so I probably won't be able to stay in my place much longer. The rent will go up, and I'll have to find something else. Dating at my age is not easy, because everyone you meet has baggage. It's just a matter of choosing what luggage you can live with. 
whether it's a divorce, shared kids, or the reasons that accompany prolonged singleness. It's been impossible to find anyone I'm interested in. I love it here, but working at a church is one of the hardest jobs a single person can have. You feel your singleness everywhere you go. I paused and there was an awkward silence that fell across the crowd. Noticing the pastor was staring at me with a look of wonderment, not the good kind. So I took a deep breath and started again. I got up this morning and I had the whole place to myself. It was quiet and I could do whatever I wanted. The for sale sign is still in my front place, so I'll be able to live there for at least another few months. And if it sells, there's a chance I might find something even better. Now, dating is much easier at my age because you know yourself more. You are better equipped to make good choices. You also have a lot more grace for the people you date because you realize circumstances make life complicated. And my job, working at a church is such a gift. What a blessing to have an extended family in the place where you work when there isn't one at home. After she read that, she writes that the crowd applauded and the pastor smiled. And then she writes these few more words. They're by Blaise Pascal, the 17th century philosopher. They go like this. There is enough light for those who choose to see and enough darkness for those who are of a contrary disposition. So put on those new lenses and see the light. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Between the Lines, and please check out our new show, Just Between Us, every week on our YouTube channel. And think of becoming a patron at barrykibrick.com to help us continue our mission.